Otherwise, I will keep them there anyway. Um, I've had an interesting week with the Lord, with him just suggesting a couple of different things for uh, today, really. And so I, I really don't know how today's going to pan out all that well, so we'll soon find out. <laughs> um, who, who wasn't here last... No, no, I won't embarrass you. Who was here last week? Okay, so last week, um, we need to put some perspective on where I think God wants to go. And, and last week, during the worship, uh, with one of the particular songs, I was, we were going to pray anyway, but I was led to pray at that particular time when we prayed for Nick Corden. Nick had been in hospital the night before because his heart often goes out of rhythm for whatever reason. Sometimes, you know, with a child sometimes, you, I know it's not you, I know it's just me. You know, sometimes you want to get a child and you just want to slap, 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 slap. You know, just to get things right. Just me, isn't it, Error? Okay, it's just me. Anyway, with Nick's heart, with Nick's heart, sometimes I, you, you, I want to pull it out of his chest and just slap it. So you, you know, like, I can't use those words in church. So there's some things that I'd like to say to his heart just to get back into rhythm. Anyway, it was out of rhythm. He was in hospital. And what they normally do, as we shared last week, they normally get the paddles and they, they zap him, you know. Clear, boof. You know, sounds all exciting until you're having it done multiple times, multiple times a, a year, you know, over years. And the fear has always been that if they do that too much, they're going to injure his heart, you know, damage his heart. Anyway, last week we got a call from Roz, he was in, and they had paddled him a few times and they did a blood test and they were, they were afraid because the tests showed that it looked like they damaged his heart. And so for those that were here... And now for those that weren't, we then sang and prayed and praised into that. Then it was somewhere around 12.30, Roz, I think you sent through the, the message and I, that I'd shot out to the guys that are on a, a, a prayer chain, maybe even to the church, who knows? Because um, I know people said, what? What's going on? Oh, you went at church. <laughs> Busted. But um, Roz sent through a message because they had done another blood test and it came back clear. Yeah. Now, for me, that's God's goodness. Yeah. They do a blood test. They go, oh, my goodness, we think we've damaged this guy's heart. Well, you think? You've been paddling him, sending voltage into his heart two, three times, multiple times, multiple times a year, and now you think you've finally damaged it. Well, hello, I'm surprised it hasn't happened before, really. You know? And then we prayed, and there's no damage. Now, his heart, unfortunately, at this stage, until they operate, looks like it's still going to go out of sync, out of rhythm. But... I reckon, on the basis of that testimony alone, yeah, that we can believe and continue to believe that God can fix that heart. You know, God can fix that heart. There's just something powerful when a group of people come together. The Bible often, and particularly in the Psalms, but it says that where there's unity, He commands the blessing. It's a, it's a command. So when we're praying for someone that's unwell, or there's a sickness, something's not. Something's not right. It's not au fait. God seems to come to the party, yeah? The scary part is, though, when he doesn't come to the party, then we struggle with the, why didn't he come to the party? Why didn't he fix that? That's for another day. Let's live in the, that's awesome that he did that. I know that he can do that. Amen, yeah? Now, where I want to go this morning, because I was really excited. Roz, when I got your text, I was, like, I was over the moon excited. It was so cool. But, to be honest, you probably sent it about 10 minutes late because I'd left the church when you'd sent it. But, you know, apart from 
putting me out and having to stop the car and quickly send out the text. It was an exciting text to get. People responded straight away. That's awesome. That's awesome. Because some of you may not know, but we've got a a group of people that are on a a prayer list, a prayer chain in our church. So if someone's unwell, they often ask us to pray. and We send it out to, I don't know, those 20 or 30 people, whoever's put up their hand to, to be on that list. You can be on that list. The only requirement... Oh, you've got two requirements. One, that you actually pray if you're going to be on that list. And two, that you don't gossip. You know, really easy. You don't go spreading the news. Oh, guess what? Nick's in hospital. His heart's out of whack again. <laughs> and then do nothing about it. It's probably worthless being on the, on the list, you know. But if you want to be on that list, you can be on that list. Just let Jen know and she'll let me know and we'll make that all happen. But I was excited when that text came through because when we hear a testimony like that, it does something inside of us. You know, we often or I often share that when we hear what God can do, or better still, when we hear what he has done for somebody else, it lifts our level of faith, yeah? Like, if I've got a cold and I'm not shaking this cold, but then Lyndon's got a cold, you know? His beard kept all the germs there and he caught a cold, yeah? (laughs) If you're going to tell a story, tell it well, right? (laughs) Sure, So anyway, anyway, no visuals, no visuals because it can get really green from here. Anyway, so you've got a cold, yeah? But we've prayed for him and he, God heals him and he goes, man, I can breathe. My nose isn't blocked. My, actually, my chest is good. All of a sudden, that, that testimony alone for me who has a cold, you know what? I can believe that for me. I, I didn't believe it before, like... Again, this just might be me. Does anyone have faith that God can do stuff, but really, in a, sort of in a way, you believe he can do it, and he can do it for everyone, but you don't actually think about it that he can do it for you? It's not that you don't think he can do it, you just don't think he'll do it for you because you actually don't think it. Yeah. Anyway, so a testimony like that, all of a sudden it's like, wow, I, if he can do it for Lyndon, he can do it for me. Yeah. Not because Lyndon's lesser, but the fact is that God did it, yeah? So if someone's got a, a back issue and God heals them and they share that, so when somebody else has got a back issue, we're like, God's done it before. Obviously he can do it. We can, that should be our new foundation, our new level to believe from. So we're not hoping that God will heal, that God will touch. We actually believe that he can because we're standing on the testimony of others, yeah? It's just like when people come to the Lord and they share their testimony. It stirs something up on the inside of you, doesn't it? I remember going to church, and I've shared, shared it here, I've shared it with hundreds of people over the years. But I went to church, when I first went to church, I, I grew up in a Catholic home, so I had faith, I knew God. But somewhere from the, around the age of 16, I really didn't go to church anymore. I just had a faith, I guess. And I had uh, my best mate, Dom, was going along to this independent Pentecostal church and he was going to give his heart to God. He'd made a decision. He'd been there a few times. He'd sussed it out, the pros and cons. Is this the real thing, you know? So it wasn't a spontaneous, you know, at that very moment giving his heart to God. He had, he'd sussed it all out. This seems like, yes, God is real. I'm going to give my heart to God. And so he invited us to be there with him. So we go off to this independent Pentecostal church 
And um, I didn't want to be there. I grew up in the western suburbs of Melbourne, yeah? So in West Footscray, barracking for the Western Bulldogs, you know, playing average football, average tennis, going to my Catholic schools, nightclubbing with long hair at the Hippodrome in Melbourne where they had a big rocket that came out of the floor. It was awesome. I didn't listen to live bands. They were worthless. I wanted the doof-doof music, yeah? That's where I... That's how I... Yeah, ethnic, that's right. In the western suburbs, they would have said wog, that's right. Yeah, we don't use that term so much now, but please come and speak to me after the service. Um, <laughs> Some of the western suburbs is still there, I think. <laughs> anyway, I went to church, didn't want to be there, and I sat down the back of the church. I'm talking the, the furthest back seat. And there was a young girl by the name of Karen who ended up marrying a good friend of mine in church, you know, because I ended up giving my heart to the Lord. And she came up and she knelt on the chair in front of me like this, right? She goes, you must be Andrew. You must be Dominic's friend, right? I'm sitting there with my arms folded. Again, there's, there's some words that I can't use in church. But I was like, what the flipping truck are you... Get out of my face, please. <laughs> so I sat there angry. She was like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. And very sheepishly, you know, walked away. I probably embarrassed the girl, probably embarrassed everyone that was within the earshot. The whole church out at Coburg that day, probably. I was that loud. But then the minister spoke, Yeah. The minister spoke, and as he was speaking, and please, I'm going to ask for people to put up their hand if they've ever had this particular experience. And as he was speaking, I'm sitting there thinking, I am going to kill Dominic. I can't believe the beep, 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 so-and-so. He's told him about my life. He's told him that I was coming. I can't believe that he did that. I am so going to smash his head in, right? <laughs> Now, not so much the smash his head in part, but has everyone been to church and, and whatever, whoever's speaking, preaching, podcast, you ever sat there and thought, mate, they're talking to me. They know my life. And if you've ever visited a church, it's like, did they, they, I can't, I, I'm going to kill them. Yeah? So at the end of this particular sermon, I found myself gr grappling the back seat, yeah? And then eventually, somehow my legs got up, my bum got up. I was thinner then. It was probably easier to get up. It's really, it's really difficult some days. Anyway, so I got up and I found myself walking like my hands had to let go. I was going to fall. And I came to the front for an altar call to ask Jesus into my heart. And it was a revelation for me just this morning, just this morning thinking about that. Because often when you hear, well, for me, often when you hear people's testimonies, they come to the Lord because they've realized that you know, God loves them and, and you know, without him they're going to go to hell and with him they're going to go to heaven. It's that sort of scenario. But for me, for me it was different. I wasn't convicted of what I was doing wrong in my life. I wasn't convicted of sin, so to speak. I, I, like, I just wasn't. And sin, let's put it out there, sin is anything that separates you from the love of God. Yeah? It doesn't have, you don't have to be out there poking people's eyes out or shooting them or kicking them. And, you know, it's anything that just separates you from God. Yeah? I, I wasn't convicted of sin or the stuff that wasn't right in my life. I walked to the front because I'd realised, there I was as a, I was almost 21 as a 20-year-old, I'd realised that I'd confessed to know God. I was brought up in a Catholic home. And yet, as this minister was speaking with all the information that Dominic had given him about my life, right, I'd realised that I didn't know this God at all. Like, I didn't know him 
at all. And so when I came forward, I came forward to say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've professed to know you, but I actually, I don't know you. And here I am 25, 26 years later, and, and the core message for me, and God keeps reinforcing that and reinforcing this, is, is family. It was all about God wanting to know me and me getting to know him. It wasn't about heaven. It wasn't about hell. They're all really, you know, going to heaven's a really good thing. I don't want to spend an eternity without God, yeah? But that wasn't my motivation. My motivation was totally, man, I, I've said that I know you and I don't know you. And I found myself crying at the front. Now, I share my testimony in the line and in, in the light of Roz's testimony as we shared about Nick because testimonies do something in us. They build our faith to be able to believe for more, yeah? You know, I've heard it said that faith is the currency of heaven, right? I've heard it said that faith is, if you want to transact with heaven, you need faith. You can't do anything without faith. If we want to see, you know, on earth as it is in heaven, if we want to see heaven on earth, it requires faith, yeah? One of the best ways for you and I to build our faith is through testimony and the power of testimony. It's hearing what God has done, what God is doing. It builds in us a brand spanking new level of faith. And the truth is, I reckon anyway, the truth is that many of us here have testimonies to share, I believe. You know? I know you're thinking, no way, not the person next to me. They can't possibly have a testimony. <laughs> and I know that the person next to you is thinking, oh, they definitely have a testimony. I bet you they have for sure. I could just tell. Right? But all of us, I reckon, have got testimonies to share. Stories of victory where Father God has come to the party and joined us and come through with the goods, you know. And some of them are spiritual stories, like when I came to the Lord. And some of them are physical stories like, like Nick, where he's... They thought his heart was damaged, but then it, then it wasn't. You know, at prayer meeting on Thursday, we were talking about healing and stuff, and um, Judy and John were there, and, and uh, Judy's had a hip problem and a back problem for years now, ever since she's had a, a particular operation, and the, the pain just doesn't go, you know? It just doesn't go. But on Thursday, she shared, she goes, Andrew, she goes, it's been four years. I, I really... I was really hoping that she was here today, but for some, again, some of you that have been on that prayer chain, John was in hospital um, during the week. He's now home. And he's okay, by the way. He's totally okay. Um, and this thing feels like it's going to fall off my head. Anyway, um, so Judy just goes, it's been four years, but this level has come down and this level has come down and this has happened and I've got less pain and I know it's taken forever and I know it feels like nothing was happening, but here we are four years later and something's happening. So I want to give God the glory. Yeah? Yeah, I reckon that's pretty exciting because she has stood firm in all of that, you know? One of my favourite passages of Scripture is Revelation, in the book of Revelation. You, you start in Genesis and when you make it to maps, because every Bible's got maps at the back, yeah? You know you've gone too far. Just go back a little bit, you'll find Revelation, yeah? So in the book of Revelation, in chapter 12, verse 11, it says this, just the first part I want is, and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. 
defeated him, the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. So they defeated the enemy. So my question is, what's the enemy come to do? John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's what the thief has come to do. The enemy has come to steal, kill and destroy. So the stuff that the enemy tries to rob from our life is our faith. It's our joy. It's, it's our peace. It's our freedom. It's, it's our health. And they defeated the enemy through Jesus, through the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. So this morning, I want to suggest that there's power in your testimony. Is that all right? Oh, there's power in the testimony. There's power in your story. There's power when God heals a ward on your finger. There's power when you share how you come to faith. It's power when you've prayed for something and God's come to pass. When you share that, that testimony, there's power in that. There's power in that. And as Christians, we just don't share our testimonies enough. I don't think we do. Like we just don't share our testimonies enough. We don't share our stories enough. Think of it like this. Testimonies take our focus off the challenges that we're going through and they help us to refocus on God. Because if I use my example from before, I was focused on this silly cold that I can't shake. But having heard the testimony from Lyndon that he was healed of that cold, I now shift my focus and know that God can heal me. Amen. That's how a testimony works. So, I'm going to sit here by myself for the next five or ten minutes and there's going to be a mic that's open and I'm going to encourage you now, church family, to come and share a testimony. Come and share what God's done in your life. Go for it. Many of you will know that Jess headed off to Uganda last month. She's got to suck it up for a sec. And um, before she left, she knew that there was a hassle with her 12-month visa for teaching in the primary school there. Just, it's easy to get a three-month and that sort of thing, but to get a 12-month um, voluntary thing to be there was really difficult. So before she left, it wasn't sorted, and she knew that there was a bit of a hiccup, but things were in process. So she stayed for a few days with um, a girlfriend in Singapore before she flew to Africa. And um, before she could leave Singapore, they said, no, you, you can't go to Africa because you've only got a 30-day visa, not a 12-month one, and you need to have a ticket to say that you're flying out of Africa before we'll let you into Africa. So she's there at an airport. So she actually then had to buy another ticket in, in Singapore before they even let her leave to go to Africa for a ticket she was going to fly out of Africa that she was never going to use. That makes sense. So she did that, and, but in the meantime, she's got this great network of people and she rang a friend who she'd met in East Timor who was working in Tanzania who had told her what would be the best flight to get that would be the cheapest and just make it work. So that all happened. So she texts us to say, oh, please pray. It's all a bit of a mix-up. I hope it all works. Um, so they were going to give her a 30-day visa for East Africa. But when she actually landed in Uganda, they'd messed that up and they'd actually, because we'd been praying like crazy, they'd actually given her a three-month visa for Uganda instead of this 30-day thing. So now she's got three months up her sleeve to sort out all the paperwork that goes very, very slowly instead of 30 days. So even in things like that, being a bit apprehensive, not scared or afraid, but being a bit apprehensive about her going overseas all by herself to a place she's never been, she's the only white person there, she doesn't speak Luganda, and um, here's God already looking out for her even though there's a hiccup. He's Amen. already provided. So he is good. Amen. Thank you. Now... Some of you, for those that are, 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 are guests or are new to the house, um, you wouldn't remember, but may, many of you may 
we used to have a, a gentleman that used to come and speak here by the name of Lucas Connell. And Lucas spoke here every year for about three years. Wonderful, wonderful testimony of faith and how he came to faith. And wherever he speaks, people come to the Lord. It's just the way it is. So I think almost two years ago now, he moved uh, to the US with his family. Just recently, they were going to Vancouver to do something with their visas, to extend their visas. When they got there, then they've been there already for a year and a half, you know, somewhere moving towards two years. They got told that their visas were wrong. They had to do new applications. They had to send it in. Uh, we can ask for it to be expedited, but listen, it's probably not going to happen. It's not the way that it works. So they were stuck in Vancouver. Full stop. Just the way it is. Thanks very much. He just put on Facebook a couple of days ago, within 48 hours, it actually had been expedited and they'd been granted some bridging visa so they could take off and do what they had to do. They were told by the authorities at the time, listen, this is what you need to do, but don't expect it to happen. Yeah? So the next time one of us finds ourselves in trouble with our visas, <laughs> if we can remember the story, the testimony, it builds our faith. So I'm going to sit down again. Um, Vicky, you should come and hog the mic because God always heals you and I think people just need to know some of that. Meanwhile, the rest of you that are there, just start to think about something that God's done. Anything. It doesn't have to be a physical healing. It could be something else where he's just come to the party. I'm God's victim. You're God's victim. <laughs> okay. Right, where do I start? Well, let, let's, well, we won't go through all of them because that would take all day. Yep. She becomes a healing hog. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Every time you get prayed for, you get healed. Isn't that good? <laughs> it's awesome. Okay. So share one of those, two of those. Okay. Righto. Here we go. Um, I had a polyp in my nose. Okay. It was really bad. I can't taste or anything like that. It was really, you know, Ray's cooking. He didn't, he didn't love my cooking anymore because everything tasted salty and bland. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, when I first come along to Overflow... I remember very clearly. I mean, oh, it's really annoying me. And Pastor Andrew goes, come on, let's pray for it. So sweet, no problem. And yeah, we prayed for it. And within minutes a second, I could breathe, I could taste, I could do oh, amazing yeah, things. Come on. And I sat there and ate a biscuit. And I thought, oh, I can taste it. Yeah. Woo! It wasn't even a chocolate biscuit. And no, she it was could a still plain teddy it. bear biscuit, those teddy bear I know, biscuits. and if you can taste a teddy bear biscuit, you know that your taste buds yeah. are working again, eh? Hey? Okay. <laughs> I also have scoliosis of the spine. Well, I did have. I had really bad back pain, Shirley and that. They used to have to help me off the bed and everything like that. Struggled to walk and all that. And I come along to church and Andrew helped me. He put my feet up on the chair and we're praying. I can walk. I can move. I, my back is perfect. So that's awesome. Yeah, come um, on. I had cancer of the <laughs> cervix. I'd pray for it. She's gone. Party central. Yeah, come on. Um, I had a heart condition. Uh, we went to the doctor. He said, yeah, he said, your heart needs repairs. Got prayer for that. Went to the doctor the very next day to have it done. I have this chest scans and all that done again. What heart condition? Come on. So hallelujah. See, come on. If I can do it, anyone can. <laughs> Actually, in fact, just knowing that, because I know how testimony works, the next time Roz is, um, Nick's here, Roz, I reckon we get Vicky to pray for him. I prayed for that lady the other day and her heart's perfect. Really? Yeah. Come on. That's how it works. Hi, mine's an old one. Um, just when Andrew was talking about Lyndon, <laughs> snotty nose, it just brought it to mind. It's <laughs> Sorry. 
Um, this, this happened 22 years ago um, when Reuben was a baby, um, a young baby, less than a year old. He developed severe hay fever. We couldn't take him outside without his eyes streaming um, and his nose was blocked. He was a breastfed baby, got to the stage where I couldn't feed him. Um, I used to have to try and express and syringe milk into his mouth so that he could get some nourishment. Um, and we took him, he was exhausted, I was exhausted. We took him to a prayer meeting that was at York Street Church of Christ and they got around him and held him and prayed for him. And that night I couldn't sleep a wink because he was so hungry, his nose was clear and Come he on. just fed and yeah. fed. I mean, if we went outside, his eyes would stream. He was a little baby and he doesn't have hay fever and never has. So. Come on. So good. Come on. Look, look. Go for it. This isn't the Andrew show. I'm sitting down. I'm bringing this off. Like, All right, morning, everyone. Um, <laughs> some of you will know that about three weeks ago, Jemima lost her job through mismanagement. <laughs> um, um, and you should all know by now that three and a half years ago, Jemima and I applied to do permanent care to take on a small child. Uh, so we've been saving up so that Jemima doesn't have to work for a year for the arrival of that child. And with Jemima losing her job, we were a bit worried that we were going to have to start spending that money to support ourselves. Um, but as of Friday, I have a daughter. Come on. Yeah, now. come on. That's right. So, um, yes, God has answered lots of prayers in one go. Yeah. And if anyone wants to see a photo, come and see me. <laughs> Cool. Anybody else at the moment? All right. We'll give you time to, to work up the courage. Ah, oh, come on. This one's not really about me, but sort of. Um, my brother-in-law, Emma's brother, is a pilot. And now he's brought up in a Christian family, and, but he's just been very busy and life sort of taking him away from church at the moment. He was flying uh, into Brisbane Airport and... Now, he's just as a job, you know, anyone else does a job here, you don't sort of pray as you get into doing your job. But this day, he was just had this gut feeling he, and he had to pray. So he sat in the cockpit and um, prayed for, I don't know what, but, yeah, just for his safe arrival. Anyway, he got into Brisbane and the undercarriage of the plane just decided to not be there when he landed. He went skidding down the runway, twirling around and... Yeah, he didn't hit anything. There was full tank of fuel and all the rest. So it just sort of brought to me that you, you know, when you have those gut feelings, sometimes I'm, I'm a shocker for not listening to them and, no, no, I'll be right and we'll keep going. And sometimes it's never right, but just a thing to say, take that second to just two seconds just to pray, think about God and put it in his hands because, uh, yeah, he can stop planes, he can do a few things. So, yeah. It's cool. For those that don't know, this is Jesse. Jesse, G'day. this is everybody. Yeah, that's everybody. Good. Yeah, I just thought I'd like to share a little story about being um, bitten by ants. They're like jumping jack little ants we get in where we live, and they're all over the place. And when I get bitten, all the old bites swell up, and they throat closes and all sorts of stuff like that. And the last time I was bitten, 
I went to a hospital, straight into the ambulance and went down and they were giving me the zapping treatment and basically everything went black and I was out and then just to describe what happened, it was all black and I got, you know, it was, you know, because I don't believe in blackness and the devil and I got, you know, sent to wear light and I was following this tunnel up, I describe it as going through like a light and the light was coming like a golden light through it and then when I got to the end it was just white and I just described that and it was like, it's not your time yet, boom, you're back on this earth and I could feel <gasps> like the shock of getting, you know, woken back up from the zapping and all that sort of stuff and yeah, that was just one thing I thought I'd share and it's cool. The being with the Lord, knowing Jesus looks after us throughout our lives. And, yeah, and I thank God. Amen. Amen. That's good, Jess. Well done. There's, there's a reason that we need to share testimony. And as most of you would know, the last three weeks we've been talking about that as, as children of God, the Bible tells us, and we, we looked, we've looked constantly at Matthew 18.3, that he tells us to become, to be changed into little children because you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven unless you, you become like one of these. And so here I am thinking about testimony and the power of testimony and I'm thinking about family and I'm thinking about that you and I are supposed to be childlike, not childish, yeah? And the Lord reminded me of something that Mel loves to do, attempt to do, and I try to help her in her endeavours because she's just... With her parenting, she's just at another level to me, I think. But do you ever sit there around your, your, your dinner table, you know, for those that have had children or grandkids, and you just have conversation with them, yeah, around food? How's your day? Tell me the best part of your day. Mel likes to find out what was the best part of your day and why, just so we can encourage each other, you know. We also ask what was the worst part of your day and why, so that we can speak some life. But what we've discovered is that as we share the stories of the day, what we've been through, what they've been through, the good stuff and the bad stuff, we, not only are we building a communication with them, because it's actually really quite therapeutic, by the way, when you just share what's happening during the day, but we're actually building faith in them. When they tell us that they've had a bad day, then we can speak about what God can do, what he has done in our life. We're actually building in them a strength so that when something happens again, they know that God can come through for them, yeah? But it happens in the sharing of the stories. What the Lord was showing me is it's not so much about the food. It's not so much about the table. It's about the sharing of the stories. It's about sharing because as people share their stories, good and bad, we carry people and we shoulder their burdens when it's difficult. But when they share a good story, we take that on board as a testimony for us, yeah? for something for us. And I'm thinking, if we're created in the image of God, and this is something that works really well in family, that builds faith, it builds a belief in God, you know, it, it builds an understanding of life, that everything will be okay if we trust in Him. If that works for my family, and it's important for my family, then I'm going to suggest if we are God's family, then it's Im important for us. It's important for us as we get around, let's use the analogy of the communion table, 
It's important for us in life as we're doing life together, as we're doing coffee and tea and friendship groups and dinners and all that sort of jazz. It's important to share our stories. It's important to share our testimonies with one another. It's important for us to do that, our victories and our successes. Because when we share, when you share your testimony, yeah, when you share your testimony, it may be the exact thing that somebody that's listening needs to hear. Yeah? It's the exact thing that they're struggling with, the exact thing that they're going through, yeah? and they need to hear. By all means, Esther, or yours. If I can speak, I'm not too sure that I can. <laughs> um, I've been going on a journey of um, exploring what I believe and, and my faith. Um, I've been using a lot of Derek Prince and um, uh, foundations of, you know, of Christian living basis and things. Um, but along these lines, I wanted to say that, um, I mean, many of you know I've had a fracture of my arm and I've had reduced movement. I should be 180 degrees and even now it's still only uh, about 105 with physio and everything. Um, I had some prayer last week and I've been um, trusting God that he would heal that. Um, and part of it, as I know, it is that it, it is time. Um, I mean, it, I suppose all the way through the, the fracture, I had um, some mismanagement and things. And, and even this week, I, I had some prayer and I had um, received some release of the um, shoulder there. But I had booked in for an injection to try and um, burst the capsule and therefore release some of the adhesions. Um, but even that wasn't <laughs> done, the procedure wasn't done in the way that it was, it was expected either. Um, and so, I've, you know, I've been told I'll get some more movement back. But the thing that I wanted to say was, in, in regard to this and about family, um, I've just really felt the love of the family here. Um, and I know I've not, not acknowledged Sandra. One time she painted a beautiful little picture of um, the sunrise. Um, saying it's another new day and I'm on the back to be strong and to be brave um, and it is not easy living. Um, it, I've realised that it, I can't be complacent as I have been in the past. It's so easy just to live life and just be complacent um, and that it is a battle, that it is something, a day-by-day -day thing um, and I know it's really encouraged me. It's on my fridge. Amen. Um, and then now on my, on my phone, I have Grace's painting from last week. Um, and that, to me, I know it was about being a warrior um, for the oppressed and for um, those who are weak. And I've felt that that's what I need to be. I need to be brave and to be that warrior um, and to persevere um, and that... Um, again, I've just been so thankful that, that there is this love and this concern in the family. And even Jenny this week texted me and said, how did you go with your arm? And, you know, we'll pray for you again and, and all those sort of things. And, and how this... Um, anyway, uh, I just Good. wanted to say that I know it's going to happen, but it's just a matter of that, that faith. Yeah. Um, and I know I need to build that faith up, and that's through family, but also... 
God says that faith come by hearing and that's hearing right. by the word that's of God. Right. And that's what I really need to, to get into. We, um, uh, yeah, we all do. Amen. Amen. Well, if you think about it, it's, it's really too catching me by surprise. Hey. Um, uh, my name is Penny and um, I ac- actually my home church is Pastor Mark Jurisic who's coming next week. And yes, the name of his church is Jurisic Park. No, it's not. <laughs> no. no, it's not. City Sorry. West. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we've, we've moved um, now away from there. So um, anyway, I won't go into all of our history, but two things happened. We were here three, four weeks ago, I think. Mm. Um, and I just really want to encourage you guys as a church, like that you're actually doing an amazing job, like seriously, an amazing job. Um, when we came in here, we just felt like family straight away. We just felt welcome. And um, one of the people that were at the front actually had a word for us about right. um, mm. business opportunity in Aubrey, if you remember that. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know, but you know what, I'll receive it. And um, I had only just joined Tupperware. And um, if any of you know anything about Mark, Pastor Mark's church, there's about five Tupperware managers. It's just totally blessed, amazing. Um, I'd only just joined. The week after I came here, I went to my unit meeting, and it's in Aubrey. <laughs> and I was like, what? Come on. That's like full on, right? So like God, God tells you something, just like put it out there, Get you don't know. And then the second thing happened and, you know, no one wants to tell you when they've given and no one wants to tell you when they're in need, right? Like that kind of stuff's always kind of hush, hush. But that week that we came here, we were broke. I mean, did not have five cents broke. We had food we had petrol, we were taken care of, weren't we, Hazana? We had our picnic, we were, you know, everything was fine. But my husband, we were walking out there, he goes, gee, I'd love a minimum chips or something, you know, like he was just, we were fine, but, but we didn't have any money at all. And a couple from this church came back, like this is hours after, an hour after church, came back, I was crossing the road, and they stopped and said, oh, we came back to look for you. We'd hope we'd find you. This is like an hour after church and handed us money at just because God had spoken to him. Come on. And he said to his wife, I think we should give them money. So they go to the ATM, get the money, come back. We're still here. He saw me crossing the road. Like, how good is God? Like, yeah. God I, is I think so that money good. was for me. <laughs> no, it was for us. <laughs> <laughs> The, the, whole, the whole thought of sharing as a family is so when someone's doing it tough or things aren't right, like Esther shared, we can come alongside them, knowing that they're children of God that have needs to be loved for, cared and encouraged. And so we walk with them and we shoulder that together. But in the same breath, as they share the victory, we grab hold of that and that becomes a new foundation for what we can believe in when we find ourselves in that spot or where we encounter somebody else that's there, yeah? Um, I'll tell you what happens. When you talk about testimony and particularly, you know, the healings and the miracles, I'll, tell you, I'll show you what happens. It releases a prophetic anointing that creates an opportunity for the miracle to be duplicated. It's actually a prophetic voice when you're sharing a testimony. Um, 
I love this quote, and a lot of some people would say that it's not entirely accurate, but I'm going to go with it anyway. With Saint Francis of Assisi, preach the gospel to everyone and use words if you must. Yeah, what an awesome statement! Because I think he was saying that living an example of the gospel is more effective than words. So. Some people can argue with you about doctrine. People can argue with you about doctrine and theology. They can argue with you the words in the Bible. But unless they're prepared to call you a liar, they can't argue your testimony. They cannot argue with your testimony. You know, I really do love that passage in the book of Revelation and that they defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. It's so good. Depends on the uh, version. NLTs just by their testimony. You know, did you notice what the Bible didn't say? It didn't say that they overcame their enemy by prayer or fasting. <laughs> but by their testimony. I wonder why we've got churches around the globe that have desires to grow and to do great things, yet it's the same old, same old, same old every day. There's nothing wrong with prayer. There's nothing wrong with fasting. We need that, yeah? But maybe, just maybe, just maybe, we need more testimony. Maybe, just maybe, just maybe, we, we need some more stories, you know? It's the testifying to the world, you know? When we testify, we're testifying to the world that the faithfulness of God is intact, particularly in our fears and, and in our trials and our, and our tribulations, Luke 21, verse 12 and 13. But before all this occurs, there will be a time of great persecution. You'll be dragged into synagogues and prisons and you will stand trial before kings and governors because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. So verse 12 is telling us all that we're going to go through some stuff. You know, In your faith, in life, you're going to go through stuff. It's not always going to be nice. It won't always be easy. Some of it's going to be really tough and some of it's going to be just simply yuck. You know, there's going to be family stress. There's, you're going to have sickness in your body. There's just going to be stuff in your life, yeah? But I love verse 13 because it says this will be your opportunity. So when you find yourself in the middle of that, know what's coming because that's going to be your opportunity to tell your story. Some versions actually say this will be your testimony against those very things, yeah? I reckon that's awesome. That's awesome that there's such power in testimony. Stephen, I'm assuming you're up to share something. Yes, share. Hello, everyone. Um, this summer, as per normal, I've been spending the last couple of weeks cutting wood, as I normally do. Uh, too late in the season, but that's all right. Last summer, uh, I was offered to uh, an opportunity to go and collect some wood from a friend over in Mount, um, Mount Helen. And... Um, I took my ute over there with my trailer, which carries about two ton. Ute carries 1.25 ton. Loaded it fully, maybe a little bit more. Uh, and as I was going down their driveway, country driveway, long driveway, not long before the gate, there's a bit of a dip there, and I just, I felt to just stop there for a moment. And I stopped, and I thought, what's going on? I felt that I needed to get out, take a walk around the trailer and the ute and check it all. Yep, everything's fine. But I, I didn't feel right, so I prayed about it and just asked for God's blessing over my journey home with this load. And so then I left Mount Helen, um, headed down Moss Avenue, 
did the little zigzag there, and I took the road that goes from the Bunnyong Napoleon's Road, if you know it. And along that road, you come down a bit of a dip and there's a one-lane bridge. Now, heading in that direction, I have right of way. Of course, that doesn't mean anything these days. So, <laughs> I'm coming down the road here, I'm fully loaded. Um, everything's handling fine. And this white Mercedes appears coming around the bend the other way and it comes onto the bridge and I realise, of course, that I'm not going to get across this bridge before we meet, so I hit the anchors and all the tyres just lock up. The trailer and the, uh, the ute, we lock up. And I don't know if you've ever driven a fully loaded vehicle like that before where you've got more weight in the trailer. I know Ross has. <laughs> and then you have in the, in the front, but normally you start to jackknife. But in fact, I, I remained very true, and it just, in fact, so true that all the skid marks were perfectly aligned. But I was skidding in a straight line across this one-lane bridge. And the, the Mercedes has now come onto the bridge. He's braked, but there's no way in the world I'm going to stop before I reach him. And realising that just skidding is not going to help, I just took my foot off the brake and just pushed the car and the trailer over against the Armco railing and straightened it up. And we slid past him. And I don't know how. I seriously do not know how. We look at the skid marks, don't we, Zaley? Every time we go over that bridge now, and the right-hand skid marks are still there in the middle of the bridge. And you go, there's no way breathing another car fit down the side of that. But it did. And, and we just slid straight past, and, and oh, I slid straight past, and then pulled up just past the bridge. I put the handbrake on, and I got out, and, and I was... Really just... And, 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 he just <laughs> and he just took off. And I'm like, oi, what are you doing? And I was like, thank you, Jesus. You know, like, then all of a sudden, the reality just kicked in. It was like, yep, that's what it was all about in the driveway. And God just was looking after me from that moment on. So, anyway, that's another story. Amen. Because of time, let me finish with this and encourage you with this. In 1 Samuel chapter 17... It's where David goes to fight Goliath. Most people know the story of David and Goliath. You know, Goliath's a behemoth of a you know of a Philistine, and you know he's taunting the children of Israel. Why don't you come and fight me? I'll kill you all. And they're all all scared. He's so big that every warrior is scared. And so along comes David, a shepherd boy. Yeah. And this is what David did when he was challenged. When he was challenged by Goliath. So I want to read just from verse 32 of 1 Samuel 17. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. And so the king, Saul, says, don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy and he's a man of war since his youth. Yeah. Now catch this for when you're going through times. Yeah. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. David 
used his own testimonies to build him up in his faith. You can't fight him. He's a giant. Well, I actually fought a bear once and I won. I fought a lion once and I won. And so when I go after this guy, I'm going to smash him to smithereens. Yeah, He used his testimony, he remembered, just like that scene in The Lion King, you know, with Mufasa and Simba, remember, you know, that it's almost like that. Sometimes we've got to look back at all that God has done in our life and the life of everyone else so that we can move forward in victory, amen? So church, stand. It's time for us to share. It's time for us as a family to share our testimony. It's time for us to testify. Because if I'm a child and you're a child, it works like this. If I need testimony to build my faith, because faith is the currency that I use in heaven, I need to hear your stories to help build my foundation of faith. And if you're a child of God like I'm a child of God, that means you need to build your faith so you can use it for when you're going through stuff. So you need to hear my stories. So let's be a family that gets around the dinner table at Christmas and Easter and at lunchtimes and Sunday roast. Let's be a family with that concept. And when we're together, let's share our stories. Amen? So let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this time together. Father, I just thank you that first and foremost, that those testimonies will sit and ring true in the hearts of those that need them. Father, I pray for others that have got testimonies. Lord, that they would encourage, raise up, and share those in conversation with those that are around them. I pray, God, that our faith level would increase, that the foundation of where we stand would be higher than before. I thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you for the death on the cross and the resurrection. I thank you for all that he's done in our lives. I thank you that because we walk and talk with you, we can share, Lord, our testimonies with each other. So, Father, as your family, as your children, as the children of God, we pray, Lord, that we would always testify, building each other up in faith to good works. And we thank you for this day, this Sunday, this sunshine, glorious golden coffee in Jesus' name. Amen.